Hey, 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 what's going on, y'all? It's your man, Uncle Dub. It's the Monday edition of the Sports Biking Podcast, episode 117. And you know it is the end of the season. So this is the season finale of season two. I'm excited, yet sad, because first of all, you look up and go, wait, the year is over. <laughs> and then secondly, you know, it, it's it's the holidays. It's time to kind of, you know, relax, refresh, you know, get back to it uh, in, in a few weeks from now. But um, let's enjoy the time we have. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. All right, let's start in the world of college football because, again, college football is still kind of a little bit prevalent right now. Not as much football going on as bowls will start in the next few days. But the big story from college football, Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, wins the 2021 Heisman, 2021 Heisman Trophy. So – Alabama. So a lot of a lot of things happen here. Alabama's the first school to win the award in back-to-back seasons. So Devonta Smith, your 2020 uh, award winner who uh, accepted the trophy virtually last year, he sent a video message that was played after uh, Bryce Young was announced as this year's winner. Um, and, and you have to applaud the season that he had. And I think we can all agree that the moment that I think really set him in Heisman lore was that victory, that that comeback victory over Auburn in the Iron Bowl. So now Alabama has four Heisman winners. Uh, so Bryce Young as a quarterback, uh, Devonta Smith last year, wide receiver, and two running backs, Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram, uh, Mark Ingram the second. So the votes, uh, Bryce Young finished first, Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end for Michigan, finished second. Kenny Pickett, quarterback from Pitt, was third. C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State, was fourth. Will Anderson Jr., the linebacker from Alabama, was fifth. I mean, the the way that this set up here is it almost was it was so close that there was possibly a chance that Will Anderson and Bryce Young could have both been in New York representing Alabama. So they so Alabama almost had two finalists. Uh, for this year's award, but Will Anderson missed out just, um, I think the, I believe the, um, the, the margin was kind of thin, but nevertheless, uh, congratulations to Bryce Young. Congratulations to all the, uh, the finalists, um, you know, definitely well-deserved because again, whether you, you know, we win it, that's obviously big to get to New York and not win it. It's disappointing, of course. But to say that you are amongst the three or four best players in the country to, you know, stand, you know, in that room to be considered for the Heisman Trophy is definitely an honor. And of course, the future is bright for all these guys. Uh, You know, Stroud will be back. Kenny Pickett, Aiden Hutchinson will Pickett for sure will be heading to the NFL. Hutchinson, I think, almost went last year. So more likely he's going to go. He's definitely going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a first round pick. I mean, jeez, uh, if you watched him all season, you have a great idea of what he could do and why he was so deserving of being in that room. Even if you just watched the Ohio State game, I mean, you just saw a glimpse of what he was doing all season and thus all the accolades that he received as far as defensive player of the year in the Big Ten and defensive lineman, the defensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten, definitely well earned without question. So congratulations to all these guys. Um, 
one big piece of news from the transfer portal. So there's been a lot of transfers going on, a lot of guys moving around. Uh, I think, was it Quinn Ewers is going to Texas? So he left uh, Ohio State. He's going to Texas. So I think that's big news for Texas fans. I mean, again, um, did not have the season that they expected, although, you know, okay, first year in the Sarkeesian, I mean, you hope it's going to get better. You hope. I mean, considering, you know, this is, you know, for them, they're heading to the SEC, um, but they're getting a quarterback. They've got, uh, you know, guys coming back who are probably looking like Heisman uh, front runners for next year, like B. John Robinson. Um, But Bo Nix is graduating and transferring from Auburn. So, uh, Nick's remember, you know, his, his dad played quarterback at Auburn. He comes in very highly touted, had a really great freshman season. Um, this season wasn't the best season. He was injured up and down all season at that position. So he's playing to transfer. Um, now the question is, where does he, where does he end up? Um, going to be interesting to see, uh, how that all plays out. But I mean, whoever gets him, I think definitely will have a great talent. Then it's just a matter of, you know, coaching them up and, you know, getting him up back up to that level. I mean, without, without question, he can play the game of football, but that's, I'm sure that's definitely disheartening news for Auburn fans. Um, they have another, you know, another quarterback on the roster that doesn't have a lot of experience, but more than likely will probably be the go-to person, the guy uh, when it comes to spring. But of course, you know, a lot can happen uh, in spring, going into uh, summer camp as we kind of start to think about, you know, how the clock's going to continue to roll. So a lot of teams are already, you know, on that, you know, teams that aren't going to bowls, teams whose seasons are over, they've already competed in whatever games they're going to compete in. Now it's just that the wait. Now the wait starts and then January, February, they're back at training and doing all the things they need to do to get ready for uh, spring camp. All right. Um, now, <laughs> as if you thought all the coaching hires were done, because we left last show with a with a few coaching hires that either weren't complete, hadn't been done, or one job that was still open. We'll start with the one open job. Oregon. They hire thirty five year old Dan Lanning. He's the defensive coordinator at Georgia, so he's been on the job for three years. And in those three years, he's had two top 10 defenses. Um, so he goes to Oregon to replace Mario Cristobal, who goes to Miami. Um, read an interesting fact here. So let, let's l- listen to this. So the 2015 Alabama coaching staff has now not one, not two, not three, but six head coaches currently in college football so let's listen to this list so dan lanning he was a graduate assistant at alabama in 2015 uh meyer cristobal who was on the staff uh kirby smart who's current head coach at georgia mel tucker who's at michigan state good old lane kiffin old miss and billy napier who just got hired at florida so for anybody <laughs> who wants to say that you know, Nick Saban doesn't hasn't or does not impact this game. Now, first of all, anybody who says that you need to look at them three, four ways sideways. Um, secondly, you know, there's people out there who say these things and, you know, haters. I mean, you know, if you understand what a hater is, here's how I see this. 
if everybody knows at least one person who's a complete hater, if you don't know one hater, then I think it's fair to say you're the hater. But nevertheless, that's one of the many impacts that Saban has had on this game, not just the winning at Alabama. I mean, he does that quite well. But think about all the coaches who uh, go work for him for a season or two and then they go get a head coaching job. That's just the 2015 group. I mean, there are currently coaches out there who work with him in years past and are head coaching. So he has an impact because, you know, the and Lane Kiffin, I think I've always, I've said this before. Lane Kiffin, I think, has been the biggest uh, turnaround uh, if you think about. You know, the Lane Kiffin at Tennessee, the Lane Kiffin at UNC, USC. Then after all that happens, he ends up at Alabama. Then he goes to uh, he was at Florida Atlantic. Then he ends up at Ole Miss. So, you know, just the just the scene, the change in him. I mean, again, he's going to be that same old guy. You know, he's you know, he's going to talk a little smack. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we are going to we're all going to remember the, you know, have your popcorn ready. No one's going to forget that. But, you know, he's definitely changed his means by which he coaches. He's still going to be the same old coach as far as how he coaches his offense. But yet, you know, he's he's much better at it. And Ole Miss is in a much better place. Now, again, there were the the, there was the talk that, you know, well, you know, maybe Lane Kibbs is going to go to Florida. I'm going. You guys are crazy. I don't see that happening. I mean, it would be, if I recall correctly, a division change, but you're still in the same conference. You're going to meet these teams. I mean, it's like, dude, let's not burn two. Let's not burn more bridges within the conference. I mean, you already got the Tennessee thing, which I'm still blown that Tennessee fans are still mad at him for that. I just, just let, the, just let it go for goodness sake. I mean, I, it happened. You're what? Tennessee is now what three coaches past him. I can't, I've lost count. So let it go. I mean, he's in a better place. Y'all in a better place. I mean, sure. It was a messy breakup, but I mean, at this point in your, in your breakup, <laughs> like any other breakup at this point, you break up. I mean, let it go. <laughs> you know. I mean, they've moved on. You, he's moved on. You need to now move on. Um, Let's see. Mike Elko, defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. He is now the new head coach at Duke. Um, He spent the last four years uh, at A&M. He was previously at Hofstra, Richmond, Bowling Green, Wake Forest, and Notre Dame before he went to Texas A&M. So in those years where he was at Richmond, Bowling Green, and Wake Forest, he was working under Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson. So now they get to recruit North Carolina and go against each other. They are in opposite divisions, but I'm sure it'll be fun when Duke and Wake finally get together in the ACC schedule. And I don't know what the schedule looks like in 2022, but wouldn't that be great to see Duke and Wake play each other? That's going to be fun. See those two uh, old friends go at each other, uh, former colleagues and uh, colleagues, former boss, friend, blah, blah, however you want to look at it. But anyway, it'd be fun to see those two go at it. His, his press conference is about to start in about 20 minutes. Uh, they'll be live on ACC Network, uh, and I'm sure you can see the replay because by the time you hear this, it would have happened. <laughs> um, let's see, Tony Elliott. Oh my gosh, this took for freaking ever. And I've again, I was in more Twitter spaces having more conversations about this. But Tony Elliott officially hired at Virginia 
as its 41st head coach. His press conference is today at 2 o'clock, so by the time you hear this, you might be able to catch that. Um, so with Tony Elliott, as we know, he was uh, co-offensive. So let's see, he started off as the running backs coach from 2011 to 2020. Then he was co-offensive coordinator from 2014 to 2020, and then offensive coordinator and assistant coach, assistant head coach, uh, since uh, 20, well, anyway, for 11 years at Clemson. So the numbers, 10 wins in 10 years, 10 win seasons in, tw- in 10 years, six ACC titles, four appearances in the college football playoffs, and, of course, two national titles in 16 and 18, and was the Broyles Award winner in 2017. So a uh, big hire. And the nice thing about both the hire of Elko at Duke and the hiring of Elliott at Virginia is – they're really good fits. So here's so here's the thing I, I didn't know. So everyone's talking about, you know, Tony Elliott, not just the fact he's a good football coach. He's a very bright, intelligent guy, because I think I was listening to a show and someone said, here's a guy that you want to sit down and you want to talk with him. You want to talk about more than football with him because he's so, so cerebral. And it finds out, I find out he has a degree in industrial engineering from Clemson. So you play on the football team, gets an engineering degree. I think he goes into industry for a little bit. Then he decides, eh, you know, I want to coach. I think he coached at South Carolina State for a little bit, coached at Furman, then he ends up back at Clemson. Um, And, you know, he, because of that, he understands the ability to, one, develop, you know, good football players, to have the academics mixed together. So Virginia... Very highly academic school, not going to lower their standards. And I've said this for years. There are plenty of people out there who go, you can't have, and being a Virginia alum, I've heard fellow alums say this, and these are older alums who say, well, we can't have good academics and good football. Those you That doesn't work. Hello, dum-dum, Stanford, Notre Dame, shut up. <laughs> it can happen. Northwestern does it. Um, not consistently, but they do it. So again, it's possible. So you hear you have a coach who, you know, very, very smart guy, very, very good football coach, understands how you can make academics and football work. Mike Elko went to Penn. He played safety. So he understands, number one, being in a highly, in a high academic uh, achievement environment. He understands being on a small campus. So again, that fits perfectly. He understands the academics and the, you know, the cozy nature of being at a private school. So again, really good hires by both Carla Williams at Virginia and Nina King at Duke uh, of these football coaches to kind of, you know, continue, you know, building upon what was done because both of these programs, you know, Coach Cutcliffe, you know, Coach Cutcliffe did a lot at Duke. He built a great foundation there. So now Mike Elko is coming in to kind of just, you know, fix it up a little bit and keep building. And what Bronco Mendenhall did at Virginia was just fantastic. And again, now Tony Elliott comes in and gets to build. And he's such a recruiter. And uh, many of the recruits who are coming who stay committed to Virginia, they've, you know, talked to him over Zoom and they're very pleased and very impressed with uh coach Elliott um there a lot of them are saying you know a lot of the uh a lot of the things that he believes in you know they mirror his his values mirror my values and I'm really excited to play for him so I mean this is just good for all around for both 
fans of Duke football and Virginia football. So just really good stuff to come. And I mean, now I'm sad because the football season's about to end and now I get to get all these football teasers uh, over the rest of the winter into the spring. It's coming. It's coming. We're here. We're here. You know, it, so the buildup is really just going to be something uh, over time. So, you know, I love basketball, but I got to live through basketball season and Virginia's doing okay. I mean, you know, it's, it, we still got some season to go, but it is what it is. But, um, but yet, it's the buildup. I got to wait for this buildup to happen, and then we get back into next fall, and I'm just waiting to see, you know, what happens on the field for, uh, you know, a, a lot of these teams because I think this has been such a year for coaching movements. It's been crazy. I mean. I, you know, Brian Kelly to LSU was still blowing my mind. It's still absolutely blowing my mind. Um, but from that comes what Marcus Freeman gets his big chance to do big things at Notre Dame. And to the point is made a moment ago, I believe he is already striking gold on the recruiting trail. Um, he, he's, 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 he's doing that work, man. So, I mean, don't be surprised if Notre Dame comes out, uh, really, really strong next year, uh, ranked team. And I think, you know, with the way that, you know, Marcus Freeman is recruiting, you know, I think the, 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 the wave is coming, the, the wave of, of, you know, the, the new wave of great players at Notre Dame and their ability to do big things at Notre Dame. It's, it's coming. Um, a couple other things from coaching, uh, Florida State promotes defensive analyst Randy Shannon. So he's a former Miami. He has, he's a former Miami head coach and he's an alum of Miami uh, to defensive coordinator and linebacker coach. He replaces Chris Marv, who goes to Virginia Tech as defensive coordinator. Randy Shannon won the Broyles Award in 2001. Penn State didn't think Manny Diaz was going to be out of a job very long. Penn State hires Manny Diaz as their new defensive coordinator. He replaces Brent Pry, who goes to Virginia Tech as their new head coach. Um, so coach Diaz has been a defensive coordinator at seven schools in 24 years of college coaching. All right. The 122nd army Navy game, another classic. So they play it, played it at uh, MetLife stadium in New Jersey. Navy wins 17, 13. I predicted army. Oh, well, I mean, that's one of those games that literally could have gone either direction. Um, when you think about army Navy, it is a game that is very hard fought um, for both teams. If both of these teams had entered this game 0-12, I'm sorry, 0-11, it would have just been, you know, just the fight of a lifetime to win this game. And so uh, 17-13, uh, Navy quarterback Ty Lavatai rushes for two, two touchdowns. And the key play in this game, Navy converted a fourth down on a fake punt to defensive lineman Diego Fago. So here's the thing. When he was interviewed post-game, he told CBS that um, I had no idea that they're going to snap me the ball. <laughs> and I'm laughing like, are you serious? And he grabs the ball and he just takes off running around the, around the left side. And he gets away from one tackler and then he leaps the next tackle. They hit him. He runs for four yards, gets the first down, keeps the drive alive, Navy scores. And that was the play that made the difference in the game. So for Navy, wasn't a great season. They finished four and eight. Um, but this was their game. This was their Super Bowl. 
they get the win over Army and I believe Navy. In 122 meetings, they hold the the season series. They they're the um, they hold the uh, the advantage is what I'm trying to say in the season series. Um, Army finishes eight and four. They're going to the Armed Forces Bowl to play uh, Missouri, who's six and six, and that will that game will be on December 22nd at eight o'clock. Check your local listings; it's probably going to be probably going to be on ESPN more likely. Um, another thing that I love about the Army Navy game, this seems to be uh, because College Game Day they go there every year, and it's, this seems to be kind of more of a recent phenomenon is that they they spend some time with both superintendents of each academy. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Vice Admiral Sean Buck and Lieutenant General Darrell Williams. Um, they interview them every year. And Lieutenant General Williams, he he's lit. So, so first of all, he's a West Point grad, and he is lit every time he is on college game day. And this year was no different. I mean, he gets the, the core cadets hyped up. He had a football in hand. He spiked the football during the game. This now this blew me away during the game. You know, as they're, you know, in between plays, they're panning, you know, the field. And now during this, you know, when these superintendents, they come to the game, they're wearing their, their class A uniforms, you know, uh, Vice Admiral Bucks wearing his dress blues. Um, General Williams is wearing his his uh, his class A uniform here. And he is on the sideline. General Williams is on the sidelines. Not kidding you. He's he's with the Army cheerleaders holding up a sign that, you know, the make some noise sign. And he is just I'm like, that is <laughs> I love seeing that. That is so awesome. But I mean, that that shows you what this game means to both academies. I mean, when they greet each other, you know, uh, you know uh, cadets greet each other, uh, midshipmen greet each other, alums, everybody. It's always, ha, 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 beat Army, ha, ha, beat Navy. You know what I'm saying? So they really just, in, in, the, in the week of this uh, uh, rivalry on both campuses, I mean, so much that they do, that's tradition to get ready for this game. Um, so hats off to both teams. Uh, it's hard for me to pick a rivalry game that is the best. I will say this. And again, I say this because it's difficult. But as I think about it, Army Navy, to me, I think has to be the best rivalry. And the reason for that is, number one, as with the game on Saturday, I'm thinking Army's going to win this. You can't really predict this because both teams are really playing their hearts out. It's always, every game is a classic. I think two years ago, they played in the snow. They played a hell of a game in the snow. And I think, I think Navy won that game. Um, and then, of course, it's about pride because the tradition is, you know, each, once, once the game's over, and I usually, you know, they always show it on CBS at the end, each team will go to their respective student sections and they'll sing the school's alma mater. But when you win, you sing second. So the loser sings first, the, the winner sings second. And after all that animosity and physicality, they stand arm to arm because what is it? They're both essentially there as students. They're both essentially there to learn how to be uh, an officer in the Army, the Navy, or the Marine Corps. And that's kind of how it all plays out. So at the end of the day, they're on the same team, but the animosity goes away because, you know, they are 
doing something that many of us either can't do or won't do, but yet it's an important, it's important work uh, to kind of, you know, keep us all protected. So uh, shout out to both teams, Army, Navy, and of course, their superintendents for, you know, just, you know, kind of really being a integral part of the game and, and their presence. And, and again, every year it's always entertaining to see how excited you know, the top man at every at each academy feels about this game. And, and of course, they, you know, of course, they are. Um, let's see, one, two. Uh, they are both want to be my little. Yeah, they're both uh, same rank, uh, you know, vice admiral, lieutenant general. They're three star uh, officers. So, you know, they know each other. Um, of course, they, you know, they, you know, they, there's no animosity between them, but it's always, you know, you sh- I'm sure there's a little smack talking that goes on there. But nevertheless, uh, such a good game. And, I, and I'm all and I'm already hyped for the for next year's game, but 123rd meeting. And I'm hoping I don't know what that one's going to be, because they usually go between. I know it was in New Jersey this year for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So they might be back to Philly next year. I hope they'll come out to Baltimore soon because I got to call some friends and be like, hey, can I get to the Army-Navy game? I want to go to the Army-Navy game at least one time. That's on my bucket list. So we'll see how that goes. NFL. Oh, man. Speaking of petty. (laughs) The Dallas Cowboys over the Washington football team 27 to 20. The Dallas defense scores two touchdowns and they improve to nine and four. Um, they forced four turnovers from the Washington football team, but that wasn't the big story for me. The big story was the, the the Cowboys bringing their own benches to the game. So on their side, you know, you you go to a visiting stadium and you got benches, and the benches are there, and they got the little things for the helmets and heaters if it's cold. Blah 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 blah. No, somebody posted a picture on Twitter of of the visiting sideline at at FedEx Field or whatever the heck the field's called now. <laughs> the whatever field, the the nameless field for the nameless team. And you see these two benches and you just see Cowboys emblazoned on these benches. And I go, wait a minute. Did they? And I said, wait, I thought this game was in D.C. No, they had those benches brought to the stadium. Man, I do not. I cannot recall anything more petty from a sports team in recent memory. Plus, remember that Mike McCarthy guaranteed that uh, Dallas would win. And, well, you know, he I think he picked the right week to make a guarantee. I mean, Washington was missing a lot on defense. They had a lot of guys injured. They had some guys on the COVID list. Uh, if you recall, a few shows ago, I talked about um, how da- uh, Washington had uh, a, a – I can't remember her name off the top of my head – but they had uh, one of the immunologists who worked on the COVID vaccine come talk to the team about be- getting vaccinated. And Montez Sweat goes, I don't know. I need more information. Well, guess who was on the COVID list now? That's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, the audacity. That is seriously like me meeting, I, I think he's still alive, James Watson. So someone check me on that. The man, One of the men, men who uh, discovered DNA, or not discovered, but... Uh, figure out structure of DNA. He sits there and has a conversation with me about DNA. And I, and then later I go, I don't know about this guy, Watson. He's talking about this DNA thing. I need more information from who the man discovered DNA. What are you doing? <laughs> it's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, 
Washington made the game. They were down, I think, 27 to 9 at one point. So they made the game, but Dallas wins that game. Kansas City over Las Vegas, 48 to 9. Kansas City is now 9 and 4. They had three rushing touchdowns, the Chiefs. Derek Gore had one, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire had two. So, you know, here's what I was talking about, I think, a week or so ago. KC is kind of making their way back. So we'll, we'll see how it goes with uh, with 13. They got about four games to go. I mean, they could make something out of this and, and get back into the playoffs. Uh, other winners in uh, on Sunday, the Browns, the Titans, the Saints, the Falcons, Seahawks, Broncos, Chargers, 49ers, Buccaneers, and the Packers. Monday Night Football, the L.A. Rams at 8-4. Visit the Arizona Cardinals, 10-2. The Cardinals are two-and-a-half-point favorites. 8-15 ESPN. And, of course, those other guys are on ESPN, too, doing whatever the hell they do. College basketball over the weekend. So from the men's side, one notable game, number two Baylor over number six Villanova, 57-36. Villanova shot 22% from the field and from the three-point line. So again, no bueno. You know, if you're shooting, I mean, even 25% is kind of, you know, scarce from the three-point line. But you're shooting 22% from the field, you ain't going to beat nobody. James Akinjo, 16 points for Baylor. Justin Moore, 16 points for Villanova. On the ladies' side, number one, South Carolina moves to 10-0 after they defeat number eight, Maryland, at home, 66-59. So this was a a, a, a fairly tight game. I mean, South Carolina, Maryland gave South Carolina a fight. You, you wouldn't expect it anything less, but South Carolina pulls away. Zaya Cook, 20 points for South Carolina. Angel Reese, 20 points, 10 rebounds for Maryland. Also on the women's side, number seven, Louisville over number 14, Kentucky, 64-58. Haley Van Lith and Alana Smith, 13 points each for the Cardinals. Treasure Hunt and Drauna Edwards, 14 points each for Kentucky. When we come back, we'll do our end of the year stuff here. So want to talk through, you know, our little review of the season of the year that was in sports. Um, I want to talk about my sports figures of the year. And as we do at the end of every season, we remember those we lost in the sports world. Stay tuned.
right, everybody, welcome back. So let's kind of just quickly review uh, the year that was in sports. So we'll just talk about all the champions here. So first, college football, Alabama beat Ohio State 52-24 in the college football uh, championship game back in January, their third title in six years. And at that time, Nick Saban passed Bear Bryant for most national championships in the AP poll era with seven. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith, 12 receptions, 215 yards, three touchdowns, and was the offensive MVP of the game. Then the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31-9 over the Kansas City Chiefs. They became the first home team to win or the first team to win the Super Bowl on their home field. Tom Brady, most valuable player, and his seventh Super Bowl win. So talking about haters again, first of all, you know Brady is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's his time. But you know there's going to be that one person that ain't going to vote for him. I mean, again, again, like I said, if you don't know there's a hater, and if you don't know that hater or a hater, you're that hater. You're that person. So, and of course, we'll find out about it later that, you know, somebody didn't vote for him. I mean, it should be a unanimous vote, but I'm sure somebody's going to be like, I ain't vote for that guy. First ballot. Yeah, again. But here's where we are. Um, then we move on to NCAA basketball. So on the men's side, Baylor over Gonzaga, 86 to 70. Baylor's first national championship for their men's program. They finished the season 28 and two, and they deny Gonzaga a national championship and a uh, undefeated season. They finished at 31 and one. So they would have been the first team in about 40 years to go undefeated and win the national title. Jarrett Butler was your most outstanding player. On the women's side, that that classic, this game will always, to me, be a classic. Stanford over Arizona, 54-53, their first national championship since 1992. Haley Jones was named the most outstanding player of the tournament. Uh, we move into early summer. Virginia wins the college lacrosse title over Maryland, 17-16, the seventh title for Virginia. And they're back, and they get back-to-back titles. Your most outstanding player was Colin, Colin Connor. Ugh, trying to say his last name first, <laughs> Connor Schnellenberger for Virginia is your most outstanding player. College World Series, Mississippi State wins their first title in baseball and in any sport. So Mississippi State has been playing sports for over 100 plus, 150 plus years. First national title for the school in any sport. Most outstanding player is Will Bednar, pitcher who is now in the major leagues. Um, softball Oklahoma wins their fifth title Giselle Juarez is the most outstanding player the NBA the Milwaukee Bucks third seed in the east over the second seed in the west the Phoenix Suns four games to two your MVP Giannis Atentacumpo I always I always know I got it and then I sort of trip over it however he is your most valuable player and their first team title since 1971 in the WNBA, the Chicago Sky over the Phoenix Mercury three games to one. Your MVP is Kalia Copper. Then uh, the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning over the Montreal Canadiens four games to one. They win back-to-back titles. Your MVP is Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, baseball, the major leagues, the Atlanta Braves over the Houston Astros four games to two. Jorge Soler is your MVP, and that is their first title since 1995 uh, and then a couple days ago the mls cup new york city football club over the portland timbers 4-2 on penalty kicks 1-1 tie valentin castellanos scores at, 
at the fourth minute for New York City. And then Felipe Mora in extra time scores the equalizing goal for Portland. So that is, I believe, the first uh, title for uh, New York City uh, football club. So that is kind of your end of the year summary of all the sports and titles and great memories that we had of the season. And so now I want to take a moment to talk about who I feel are the sports figures of the year, at least for this podcast. So if you recall, we had probably about the middle of the year, we had a number of discussions about mental health. So I ask you, or you hopefully remember, you see Naomi Osaka, you remember her saga, her struggles, and then, of course, all the backlash. And then there was Simone Biles during the Olympics. And then later on, uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, Lane Johnson, all discussed the struggles that they had with mental health. And in some respects, we know or we remember what Naomi Osaka when withdrawing from uh, tournaments and then, of course, was uh, penalized for that. But um, Simone Biles, um, she talked about her struggle. She had injury and then she decided to step back from her role in the Olympic team. Um, you know, I have to give uh, a shout out and my sports figures of the year to these three because they talk about something that I feel like we don't, we really don't address much. We all struggle with just life and kind of thinking about mental health. And some of us struggle more than others. And some of us struggle and we don't talk about it or we struggle and we you know, we find ourselves reaching out for help or we struggle with it and we have to take a step back from the things that we love and the things that we enjoy to try to get ourselves back. And then there are others who require, you know, something daily in their lives, medication or therapy to kind of deal with the pressures of life. But but that's all of us because athletes are no different. And the thing that kind of made me upset in this conversation was that you know, going back to Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka specifically is, you know, they bring these things to light and they got so much flack and criticism for being human. Okay. Someone says, well, what's so hard about hitting a tennis ball or what's so hard about doing a flip? And, you know, it's, it's like you do it automatically, but yet think about it. They do it in front of millions of people, play a game, or you know, a sport, an event in front of millions of people, there's the constant pressure to perform. There's the constant pressure of I've got to practice and I've got to be on top of my game. Just that you know, if you played sports, you understand that it's not just the physical, it's the mental. There's the mental part of the game. And sometimes the mental can push you a little further. But if you're not mentally ready, if you're not prepared, if there's something that's happening that's not allowing you to be at your best mentally, then that affects your performance. But for me, I really feel I really feel like I have to say to or about these three that I really appreciate them addressing this publicly 
And in addressing it publicly, it lets us know, if you didn't know or didn't think of it this way, that athletes are human before they're athletes. They have the same pressures that we all do. They're a little bit different, a little bit of a higher level, but think about those pressures. And if they can't go from a mental standpoint, it affects them physically. And there are other athletes that have had these issues. As I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about, you know, others who have had these difficulties. And I think in them making these public statements, I think what it says to all of us is that, yes, it's okay to step back from something for a bit, to get yourself together, to stay in the race or check on your friends or Mm, something's not quite right. I need to talk to somebody. I need to get some help. That's what's important here because those people who say, you know, with Noyomo Osaka, well, um, if she can, excuse me, if she can do an on court press conference, why can't she go sit in the press room? Well, on court, number one, that's television. That's where we are. If you remember the conversation we had in the middle of the summer about that. And secondly, You know, I made the point that if you're on the court, sometimes that can be the if you're on the court or the field of play, that can be the refuge in in many cases. But overall, I really find it distressing that there are so many people in this world who lack empathy, that somebody who is famous, who has to, you know, uh, uh, you know, play a sport. And if they perform poorly, then they have to go to, you know, and and more than likely many of these athletes have social media. They go to the social media and what do they have? They've got people threatening them and saying all kinds of rude stuff to them. And I'm going to kill you and all this other garbage. But yet you wonder why they're okay. I got to take a step back from this because the fans aren't necessarily being fans they're being stalkerish and creepy and evil for what reason again just because they play a sport does not mean that they are not human they have to run the myriad of emotions as well and so in saying all that i want to honor simone biles naomi osaka lane johnson uh liz cambage all of these athletes who publicly just said hey you know I've got to step away from this and it's okay if you've got to step away from something because your mental health is more important than what you have to present to the world so those are my sports figures of the year and I thank you for your example and it's you know it's about self-preservation in this day and age All right, so as we end the show today, as we end the season, as we always do, we say a a last farewell to all those sports figures who left us in 2021. So we start in college basketball, John Chaney, the former head coach at Temple. In college football, Bobby Bowden, former head coach at Florida State. Terry Donahue, former head coach at UCLA. Colt Brennan, former Hawaii quarterback. Howard Schnellenberger, former head coach at numerous schools, one of them being University of Miami, and former Notre Dame player Louis Nix. 
In the NBA, Bob Ferry, who is the GM that helped to build the 1978 Washington Bullets championship team. Mark Eaton, Elgin Baylor, and Paul Westfall. In golf, Lee Elder, Bruce Fleischer, and Billy Maxwell. Major League Baseball, Lamar Hoyt, former pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Bill Verdon, player and manager. Ray Miller, famous pitching coach. Joe Altabelli, player manager. Hank Aaron, Don Sutton, and Tommy Lasorda. In the NFL, Marty Schottenheimer, Floyd Little, Jim Fossil, former head coach of the New York Giants, Vincent Jackson, Demarius Thomas, who we lost recently. And this past Sunday, the Denver Broncos honored him with a 10-man formation. They were uh, and they let the play clock expire. They were flagged for delay of game. The Lions declined the penalty, but the crowd, uh, you know, honored Demarius Thomas by chanting his initials with an, an applause. So, uh, again, rest in peace to him. Sam Huff, member of the College Football and Pro Hall of Fame linebacker for the Giants and the Washington football team. Uh, Ray Snell, who was a guard for six seasons in the NFL. Roger Brown, defensive tackle for Detroit, who was a member of the Fearsome Foursome. David Patton, wide receiver for New or- the New England Patriots. And another former New England Patriot fullback, member of the College Football Hall of Fame, Sam Cunningham. In boxing, Leon Spinks and Marvelous Marvin Hagler. In hockey, Phil Esposito, former goalie. Bob Plager, St. Louis Blues. And Mark Pavlich, a member of the 1980 Olympic hockey team. In tennis, Tony Trabert. And finally, from racing, the Unser brothers, Bobby Unser. And most recently, we lost Al Unser Sr., So with that, I leave you, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, that is the end of season two of the Sports Wagon Podcast. I really appreciate all of you, all of you listening. And I want to definitely give a special shout out to uh, Washington State, Virginia, Ohio, California and Maryland. So those are the top five states. But again, all of you, all of you, thank you for your support. And of course, um, Ireland, I want to shout out my fans in Ireland. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I also want to shout out um, my guest this season, uh, my, my good friend Eric Kelly. Thank you for all of the insight, Notre Dame football, college football in general. Um, um, uh, of course, our, our senior NASCAR correspondent, Drew. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, brother, um, for your insight. Uh, we definitely will be talking soon because, of course, we got to get ramped up for a new season. Dr. Jeff at the beginning of the season talking about sports and COVID. My brother, Kent, thank you for uh, a special episode 100 and of course journalist Roger Chesley for the discussion that we had about uh, sports uh, sports figures journalism and how the pieces kind of sort of mesh and don't mesh in some cases um, I also want to shout out uh, Stone Elta Reblay from Forget That Yo Radio uh, thanks for the retweets on, uh, on, on Instagram thank you appreciate it love the podcast I'm a big fan um, and of course, as always, got to shout out my bros, High Score 510 from the Bay Area. I'll be on their end of the year show. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's always good to spend time with those guys because uh, they are a uh, intriguing group. They always bring up some good points, but they're also a barrel of laughs, too. If you have not listened to High Score 510, please check them out uh, as soon as you can. 
Um, I also want to put in one last plug. Uh, haven't done it yet. Uh, I have a new podcast that I'm doing with the musical director of this podcast, DJ Cam Ones. It's called the Bald Head Logic Podcast. It's on Spotify and Google currently. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I believe we are Bald Head Pod on Twitter. We are definitely, I'm sorry, on Instagram and Twitter, but look up Bald Head Logic. Uh, follow us. Check out the podcast. Uh, our first two episodes are out, and I think episode three will be out shortly. So there we go. And as I always end, I implore you to, number one, happy holidays. Enjoy the time. Please get some rest and relaxation. Um, protect yourself. Um, get vaccinated. You know, do, do your due diligence, whatever you do. If you don't get vaccinated, wear a mask. Please be mindful of others. And, of course, continue to drink your water, stay hydrated because it's the holidays. And I know, you know, we want to have a great time. We want to have good food, good friends. We want to imbibe a little bit. But please drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.